Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and for avid listeners, a brief apology for missing a week. Between a case of COVID and other events, I couldn't quite make it happen, but we're back on schedule, and for this episode, I'm glad to welcome Amy Langle again to explore Psalm 75 with me. This is a really fun conversation as we wrestle with what it means to praise God as the psalm opens for his judgment, as most of the psalm talks about. We wrestle, we go back and forth. I hope you enjoy this and find this a helpful wrestling with God's judgment and what it means to praise him for it. To get us started, here's Amy reading Psalm 75. We praise you, God, we praise you, for your name is near. People tell of your wonderful deeds. You say, I choose the appointed time. It is I who judge with equity. When the earth and all its people quake, it is I who hold its pillars firm. To the arrogant, I say, boast no more. And to the wicked, do not lift up your horns. Do not lift your horns against heaven. Do not speak so defiantly. No one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt themselves. It is God who judges. He brings one down, he exalts another. In the hand of the Lord is a cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours it out and all the wicked of the earth drink it down to its very dregs. As for me, I will declare this forever. I will sing praise to the God of Jacob, who says, I will cut off the horns of all the wicked, but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. Amy, welcome back to Curious Psalms. Thank you, Matt. I feel like I usually have, or I, I usually try to have some kind of witty. Are you not feeling witty today? Uh, not really. I don't really have anything. <laughs> I suddenly realized I don't don't have any opening comment. Oh well, well, that's okay. We can just we can just dive right right into it. Okay. Well, thanks for leading us there. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> so, segment. Matt, what stands out to you? <laughs> oh no, I'm having flashbacks to Q trying to take over the podcast. <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. Guess, guess gets to go first. Amy, oh, man. what stands out to you in reading this psalm? So what stands out to me is actually in the very beginning. Mm. Please tell of your wonderful deeds. And I think it is really timely that you asked me to talk about this psalm. I, I feel like as I grow as a Christian and I feel more comfortable as a Christian and talking in public, and I've shared my story before is that there was a time where I would be in conversation and someone would mention the word Bible study or mention or start talking about church or start talking of, you know, an experience with God. And I would kind of start whispering and <laughs> not want to talk really loud. And and I don't know what that's about, except for, I think it was just out of my comfort zone. Sure, so now that yeah. I'm more, I'm, I'm far more comfortable now, still not a hundred percent there, but me neither. And I'm a pastor. So it's okay. <laughs> I, I do feel like that hit home. I, hmm. I feel like as, as a follower, as a believer, one purpose that we have is to share our experience, share mm. our story, share how God has touched our lives. Having conversations with others, I think that is what he wants us to do. Yeah. And whether it's in casual situations or in your workplace, which mine is very easy working at a church. But I I do believe that that opening is the psalmist saying that 
express how God has touched our lives, share it. That's what God wants us to do. Mm. I love that. That's such a beautiful insight, Amy. When I read that kind of language in the Psalms, my first inclination in terms of reading it is to think in terms of worship. And there's a lot of kind of calls to worship in the Psalms. And, you know, let's remind ourselves, let's remind those of us who are the people of God, what God has done. Plenty of that in the Psalms. But I love what you're saying, too, because it points to the whole trajectory of the Old Testament and the whole trajectory of the Bible, really, where even when we are reminding each other of what God has done, those of us who are maybe familiar with what Mm -hmm. God has done, it is also for the sake of inviting others into hearing what God has done. So I love that you're drawing that out. Yeah. Even in the opening verse. I almost don't want to answer this question because mine, my observations were not quite to that level, but... (laughs) One was just the fact that we have direct speech from God in this Uh psalm, which is a little bit more unusual. It's not that it never happens, but it's interesting that uh, God himself is kind of being quoted here as describing his own judgment. Mm -hmm. And then in the end, again, it kind of happens in verse 10. But the other thing that stood out to me was just how, how many times horns are mentioned. Did you notice this? I did. In fact, full confession here. Yeah. I Googled it. Well, that, that's fair, because I also had to look it up. My, <laughs> and, my first question, literally on my paper, says, what is going on with all the horns, horns. in this song? <laughs> so, well, well, what did you find out? That horns symbolizes strength. Yeah. So, which makes sense. Does it? Well. <laughs> I mean, I, I couldn't quite find anything myself that, like, got behind the imagery I, I found the same thing that well, no, you did. Look, right here. So if we if we replace horns with strength. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Do yes. not lift up your strength. Do not lift your strength against heaven. Do not speak so defiantly. Yes, 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 yes. Sorry. It makes total sense that that is what is being talked about here. <laughs> what I was trying to work out is why horns. Oh, why horns? Why horns symbolize strength? Well, one of the one of the examples that I did read yeah. with the bull. Yeah. And how, or the, the, the rams? Rams, yeah, they have horns. And how they, but how they fight each other. Oh, And they use their horns. And that is their, their form of strength, right? Yeah. That's what I read. I mean, that, that makes some degree of sense. Like this, it's kind of animal imagery. It's just so interesting that it's been elevated. And it's not the first time we've encountered the word horn, but it just came up in the Psalms. But over and over, it came up in this. There was apparently also like in the ancient world, king's crowns would have oh, horns on them sure i find it a weird image and it's one of those it's one of those moments when i read in the bible mm-hmm. i'm like there's so much of the bible that you read it and you're like could this be us talking today and then there's moments where you read the bible and you're just like yeah i am living in 2022 <laughs> right 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 and the horns is one of those and i think both of those both of those instincts when it comes to the bible are really healthy and normal like we both want to hear the ways it speaks directly into our lives and we want to recognize like we sometimes have to do work and some research to kind of understand the imagery that's being used so the psalmist asaph is am i saying that right asaph that sounds good to me (laughs) (laughs) yes he's he's very descriptive oh that's an interesting observation i mean don't you think like what's an example of well we can okay so we could jump all the way down to verse 10 I will cut off the horns of all the wicked, but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That to me is descriptive. But I, I 
we might not be there yet, but verse eight. Oh, sure. I needed to ask about the cup is full of foaming wine mixed with spices. I, 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 I didn't know what that was. I mean, I know what a glass of wine is and I know what <laughs> spices could be, but I, I just didn't understand the analogy there. The, the imagery of the cup comes up multiple places in scripture and is a right. common image for judgment. It's, I, there's a little bit here of, <laughs> to me, the horns, <laughs> which is sort of like, it is, it is a common image used for strength. Okay. Well, so in the same way, the cup and drinking the cup to the dregs, right? A common image of judgment. And we might read this and think like, oh, is this talking about like Christmas, like mulled wine? Like, right. That sounds pretty nice. Like, well, how, how I did judgment. I did Google verse eight. <laughs> Google verse and eight. what comes up is talks about the hint of spice in certain types of wines. And, you know, that so I, I didn't get anywhere with that. Yeah. But it's it's he's using that as a metaphor. Yes. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Right. It is the metaphor for God's judgment being poured out. Okay. And in this case, we can assume that the spices would not make the wine more pleasant no. to the taste, Mm-mm. but rather unpleasant. Shall I ask the second question? Sure. Okay. What do we learn about God or how do we encounter God in this psalm? Okay. So in the beginning, I yep. felt like the psalm was a psalm of praise. Yes. Felt like that very much so. Yep. And then all of a sudden, it turns into judgment. Yep. And I feel learning the word judgment, maybe I'm taking it too literal as how we interpret the word judgment, which could be a very negative thing. Yeah. Anyhow, I I have, a, like, it's sort of, I'm asking you a question here, <laughs> but it, it almost takes on a positive spin though, as far as God judging us. Yeah. Am I yeah. off base? No, you're not off base at all. I think it's one of the most interesting parts of this psalm too. I had the exact same note that, yeah, it starts with this, we praise you, God, verse one, like you were talking about right. earlier. Pretty upbeat, you know, major chords, so to speak. Mm-hmm. The drums are going and suddenly, God, it there is no, I am the one who whose love endures forever. It's I choose the appointed time. It is I who judge with equity. I mean, one of the things I was thinking about, and maybe we can try this on because I think you're right that for us, we typically use judgment quite negatively. We live in a society that juxtaposes tolerance and love with judgment. Like those are antithetical to each other. Uh, I don't think the Bible does that. I think actually the Bible is doing something different. But I wonder if sometimes we think of judgment solely in terms of condemnation and the Bible thinks of judgment, condemnation is part of it. Very, right. But there's also this, this other side of lifting up. Mm-hmm. There's the positive. So he brings one down, but he exalts another. Right. So in that respect, it kind of depends whose perspective you are seeing the judgment from. Does this make sense? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. There's a couple of thoughts. Talk back to me if that, that well, makes sense or not. Okay, so your your question is, what do I learn about God from the psalm? And that's yeah. that's just it. Is that I am I realize that there's judgment there, but there's judgment on on something that you're doing positive. I mean, he's looking at you, and and um, I don't know. That's not even what the answer was I had on my on my page, but I'm kind <laughs> of strained. That's okay. Um, what my my answer 
how I answered it was that it reminds me that God is watching. It reminds me that he's aware of what's going on at all times. He's his way of thinking or our way of thinking is not his way of thinking. Mm. We think very differently. Our timing is not his timing. I patience is key, I think in this lifetime and it could be just really frustrating. And I think that many of us can get frustrated, but I do believe that he has a timeline for us and it's, I, I don't think it probably is anyone's timeline. Mm. But I do believe that, you know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, I'm just reminded, I guess, that he's, that he's there. Yeah. And patience for me is the big part. Yeah. And he's there. What I hear you saying is he's not there in the Santa Claus sense of he sees you when you're sleeping i mean he does see you when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake (laughs) but we wield that as uh you better be good for goodness sake and instead of god who cares for his people who cares for his creation that god is attentive and watching and i I love this line it is i who hold its pillars the pillars of the earth firm right even when the when the earth and all its people quake when everything seems to be coming apart it is i who hold its pillars firm but there there is i mean i think we are uncomfortable with judgment because we always need to be reflective of how we may be the arrogant and how we mm-hmm. may be the boastful right mm-hmm. so there is both sort of a ways that we praise god for our judgment and there is the warning and kind of both those things go hand in hand and we tend to just emphasize the warning side of things mm-hmm. right and so that judgment just seems very negative but to a people who are oppressed or experiencing hardship uh, the judgment on their oppressors and freedom is very sure. good news, right? Uh, which has come up in the Psalms before. But yeah, I think this idea that the whole Psalm is bracketed with praise, like even verse nine, as for me, I will declare this forever. I will sing praise to the God of Jacob. The whole Psalm is bracketed with praise. And then the central focus is praising God for its judgment is really interesting. Right. And, and that's hard for me to understand. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to, just because I think of judgment as you're being judged and it's different when you are being judged by God than you are from peers, right? Or from day to day. But you can think about positive examples of judgment. For example, you were just sharing with me about your daughter's Harper. Don't listen to this podcast (laughs) report card. That was very good. Oh, right. Right. Yes. Uh, Well, your daughter was judged. By her teacher. Yes. And in fact, that was a very positive thing. Yes. And so like, yeah, we tend to use it kind of negatively, but actually in all all these other ways, we are being assessed and mm-hmm. weighed and, you know, measured all these kind of right. other words that we might use. We, of course, like we don't say, oh, the fourth grade teachers are sending home like their judgments. <laughs> we just right. don't use that language. But it's right. the same. It's the, I think there's a similar there's a similar idea. And so I wonder if we think about it that way. It's like, oh, positive yeah. judgment isn't that far from what we experience. Well, at when you times. explain it, it sounds perfectly, I mean, <laughs> it's, it sounds reasonable. It sounds, you know, really good when you say it. In my mind, it's, you know, I, I don't know, this, this psalm was so, you know, uplift, praise. Yeah. And then I see the word judgment or feel the you know i feel yeah. the word judgment and so it was just like from one emotion to another yeah totally 
But yeah, I mean, you kind of, there is an invitation here to put ourselves in the psalmist's shoes too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, can you imagine there just being someone who's just boasting all the time and boasting against them and putting down the psalmist and then they remember that God will judge that person. There's a sense of, okay, I don't have to take it all in my hands. Like I can breathe like God who holds the very pillars of the earth, Mm -hmm. like will tell this person boast no more. It might not be in my timing, like you beautifully said earlier. It might not be exactly when I wanted it, but okay, I can trust in him. That's that's a that's the freeing side of God's judgment. Mm -hmm. But it's not. I mean, I'm saying all these things, but also instinctively, when we use the word judgment, I have the same responses that you do. Yeah, we have a lot of cultural baggage, I think, around the word. Sure. Um, I wanted to read something, and these are not my words. This is something that I. I found, but it says the psalmist is saying he's looking at a God who judges, at a God who eventually makes it right, a God who will raise up the righteous and tear down the wicked, but again, a God who will do that in his own timing. And that makes sense to me. Yeah. I wish I would have said that, but. (laughs) Whose words are those? Do you know? (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, Google's. a a good anonymous hat tip. (laughs) Right. But, you know, I I just feel like it was really interesting, actually, when I did want to do some research on this song. And everyone came down to the same thing. I mean, there's different versions of it, right? Sure. But the main main point is what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, good. Glad glad we're in alignment. I know. Let's shall we ask our third question? I love this kind of wrestling and processing we're doing along the way. Sure. We always so, tend to like bounce around oh, that's all when good. I'm here. Sorry. How does this psalm, a psalm praising God for his judgment, help us to pray? <laughs> I just go back to the word patience. I go back mm. to the word timing. Be thankful for what I'm given right now. And it's so easy to look back at life and see God's hand and see God being present and me not paying attention or paying attention for that matter. But (laughs) I, it just makes sense when you look back and you can see it. And so we've talked a lot amongst staff in the church and with Kevin's, Kevin's book about praying and even just this last sermon. I mean, I have shifted my way of praying, Mm. which feels really good. And, but just knowing that God has a plan and to, to believe in that Mm. and give him thanks each day for what I'm given and not take advantage or, you know, not keep asking, 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 just you know, thanking him for what we have. Yeah. And then also realizing that his timeline is his timeline. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There's so much, as I think about this Psalm and the invitation to prayer, there's so much where we have to give, give ourselves over to God in some sense. Like even that verse two, I choose the appointed time. It is I who judge with equity. Mm -hmm. Okay. Can I trust that God will really judge with equity? Even if that means that my sense of equity might be different than his sense of equity. Which most likely it's going to be, right? Which most likely, because I have all kinds of biases and brokenness in my life. Yeah, yeah. And so it's one thing to say, like, oh, yeah, God, like, 
all right, I'm ready for you to come down and smite all my enemies. Mm-hmm. Where God might say, well, actually, that person was doing things right. Like that person made the right call. It was you. Right. And it's like, okay, there's really a sense of submission, mm-hmm. I think, when we think about God's judgment and what it means for him to make things right and to raise the lowly and humble the exalted. But then there's also, okay, base. this is just one psalm of 150 and it's just one part of a bible that tells an overwhelming story of god's love and care and generosity and okay when it comes to god's judgment can i trust in prayer can i trust that god is going to come through with judgment that is fair and equitable but is rooted in his love and you kind of have to throw yourself yeah we need to on that right that's right to some degree knowing that oh that's unlikely to align perfectly with what i want although i'd be thrilled if it did (laughs) I, I'm always impressed, always impressed when I, when I talk to people and they're going through something hard, be it health or be it family or whatever it is. And they turn it over to God. They believe that he, there's a reason for this, that he has a plan. And it always impresses me when I, it's such a positive, it's so positive when people say that. And it's really taught me, and I've I've learned I've learned from those people, but I still get impressed by it. Yeah, I I mean on that note, I find because any of us can say that right in times of trouble, and sometimes sure. sometimes within within a Christian world within a church, it's yeah. tempting to say that even when we don't feel it. But when you have a conversation with someone, and you can tell that behind that statement is a kind of psalm like struggle. Oh, for sure. To come to that place. Yeah. I think you can tell that when people say it, don't you think? Like, oh, very much. Oh, like that's... I can now, there's something, for sure. There's something there yeah. versus a trite, like, oh, God, like, have to trust God. Yep. No, <laughs> but exactly. I don't, I, and like in parentheses, you can hear the, but I don't want to. <laughs> right. Right. So. You you can feel it when, it when you get a sense that they actually truly believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Which inevitably means they've wrestled with it. Yeah. Much like we have wrestled in this conversation oh with gosh. Psalm 75. Every time. Are we having a party, by the way? We're halfway through. Oh, my goodness. I hadn't even realized. I know. I should have brought you a cupcake or something. Well, we, we, should, have, we should have had some wine mixed with spices. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Wow. Halfway through. Well, thanks for pointing it out, Amy. I, I just would have kept going. <laughs> Oh, I'm just uh, calculating how many times more if you're gonna ask me back. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. listeners, if you if you have listened, I'm not gonna say if you've listened to every single one, but if you've listened to the majority of episodes so far, mm-hmm. go out and treat yourself to a halfway through the Psalms treat. I'm gonna do the same. I'm gonna have a piece of candy. <laughs> well, thanks, Amy. Anything else to add about Psalm 75? Not at this point. No. Let's conclude. With this opening verse, is I think after our conversation, even more kind of evocative, provocative to me after we think about what comes next. But we praise you, God. We praise you for your name is near. People, tell of your wonderful deeds. Friends, go out and pray the song. Mm-hmm.